0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Big things are happening at Collective this fall, and we'd love for you to be a part of them. Join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 5103 Pegasus Court for church that doesn't feel like your typical church. We hope to see you there. Now let's get into Sunday's message. All right, before we get into things today, I have two exciting things to talk about. Uh, The first is that a few weeks ago, I shared that we made it into the final round for the best of best in Frederick in the categories of best community-oriented company and best nonprofit. And voting was about a month ago, and the newspaper uh, put it out yesterday, and Collective was officially named as one of the finalists, which means we finished in the top three of both categories. Now, now here's the thing, though. This means we didn't win, right? Some of you are very excited to finish second or third. Um, and I, I know that so many of you voted for us. You took the time every single day. Uh, we had some people who were like, I opened up multiple browsers and voted under multiple accounts because I wanted us to win. Uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, I, I'm really proud of this church. I, I'm really proud of how proud of this church you are. Um, And while we didn't finish first, we were the only church to be nominated. Uh, We were also just one of a handful of organizations to make it into the final round of multiple categories. And we were only one of just a couple of organizations to be a finalist in multiple categories. And this is a big deal. And uh, like I said a few weeks ago, this isn't about a plaque or a banquet. Uh, We're not going. Uh, Or our egos. Uh, This is about Jesus, because we believe that people will see this, and, and they'll see a church, and they'll see a community voting for a church, and they'll think there has to be something different that's, that's going on there, right? They'll, they'll see something, and they'll think, this is different than other churches I've experienced before. And ultimately, our hope is that they end up here, and they can experience his grace and his goodness and, and who he is, and ultimately their life has changed forever. And so we're excited uh, to see if that happens. We're excited to see if maybe that leads to some restoration in some people. Here's the other part, though, Uh, losing sucks. It sucks, man. I am so competitive. Uh, As the wise sage Ricky Bobby once said, if you ain't first, you're last. And so uh, it is a huge honor to be one of the best. But next year, I say let's make sure we're honored as the best. You guys good with that? Okay. All right. Next year, we're winning it. Here's the second thing. I don't know if you noticed when you came in this morning, but one of our walls is no longer a wall. It's a tarp. And that's because we are just a few weeks away from opening up our new Collective Kids space, uh, which is awesome. (laughs) Things have been flying by. uh, And as we move closer to opening everything up, uh, we're going to need some help. We're going to need some help moving the current Collective Kids stuff over, building new Collective Kids stuff, cleaning, organizing, and a ton more. And a lot of you asked when we raised the money back Uh, this summer, how you can help, you know, be hands-on with it. And so here's your opportunity. On November 1st and November 2nd, we are hosting workdays for anyone who can spare just a few hours to help us finish up this project. And if you're interested, there's two ways you can sign up. You can go to Next Steps after service, talk to that team. They'll get you signed up or through the app, right? Click on Coming Up, go through, look for All In Expansion Workdays, and you can sign up Through there. And the reason why we're doing this is because we know we're going to get the keys in the next few weeks, and we don't want to take multiple weeks to open this thing up. We want to run and sprint as fast as we can from the moment we get those keys to open up just such a wonderful and incredible and better space for our kids. And so if you can give a few hours, we would love it. Um, Make sure to sign up. And, And really, we're just so excited for what God is doing in this church in this season. Um, we're ready to open that space up and see what God will do next. We'll have more information for you next Sunday regarding the grand opening and some of the changes going on, so stay tuned. One thing that I've been really honest with you all about since Collective started is that I love reality TV, and not that junky, like, over-dramatized, like, dating shows where they talk through walls to each other and, like, make themselves fake cry so they can win a trip to Mexico. I think those are stupid. Those, like, slowly melt your brain, but... I love documentary style reality shows. I will watch just about any show about house flipping, true crime, cooking, like I don't know how to cook, but I love watching cooking shows. Um, Stories about humanity, things like that. My current obsession is a show called Welcome to Wrexham, which is about soccer. Um, I don't even like soccer. And in fact, I hate soccer. Here's my hot take about soccer. It's just cross-country, but they throw a ball into the field so people find it less boring than just running around for a long time. You don't, you don't need to be offended. I'm a baseball fan, and every time I mention baseball, people will, like wait in line to talk to me like, it's boring. I'm like, I know it's boring, but it's not soccer, so it's okay. <laughs> so earlier this year, I kind of ran through all my shows, and I started to look for something new, and I came across a show called Salvage Kings. Have any of you watched the show before? Okay, zero people today in either service. So there you go. Um, You will after this, I promise. So Salvage Kings is about a demolition company called Priestly Demolition. They're based out of Canada. And while watching this show, one thing that I learned is that when companies get a contract to knock a building down, they get to go inside, salvage, and keep what they find. And so in one episode they were asked to tear down this hotel that was hundreds of years old and they got to go in and they found all the original lighting and all the original furniture like this incredible restaurant so they could take that all and, and bring that back with them. In another episode they tore down an old car dealership and they found a car from the 50s. They found gold in the rafters of an old mining town tavern. But in my opinion the coolest thing that they find is something that's called old growth timber. These are pieces of wood that are hundreds of years old. They're 20, 25, 30 feet long, and they were used hundreds of years ago to build homes and businesses. And wood like this doesn't really exist anymore, and so when they find it, they know that it's very rare and very valuable. And so as they go, and and typically it's when they find additions, people like built on houses or they built over other buildings, they start tearing things down and they find this wood, and what they do is they make sure to save it. And they save it so that they can sell it to builders and furniture makers so this incredible wood can be repurposed. One of the early episodes, they found this old gross timber and they sold it to a furniture maker who then took it and made it into a conference table. But then in the next season, as they were knocking down this office building, they actually found the table that that person built. And so they salvaged it again and sold it to a family who was going to use it in their dining room. It's kind of this really cool full circle moment. This wood started as the support of an old long cabin, then it was salvaged and turned into a conference table, then salvaged again to become a family dinner table. Throughout the two seasons of the show, you see stuff like this all the time. Old pews from a church that's falling down are taken and brought for seating at a wedding venue. Old stained glass windows from a factory are turned into tables. Old scrap metal from an office building are turned into fencing in a backyard. So what they do is they take these beat down and broken things that other people believe is demoable, and ultimately they believe it's trash, and they take these t- things and they turn it into something good, something beautiful, something new. And I think I love this show so much because it's just such a good representation of what God can do with us. God can take the beat down and broken things in our lives and turn them into something beautiful and new. Over the past five weeks, we've been in this series called Your Story Matters, and the challenge every Sunday has been for us to share our stories, to choose vulnerability, and to be real about our brokenness and what God is doing in our lives. Because one thing that we know is true is that we all have a story to tell, not a perfect story, not a complete story, but a messy and a real and a beautiful story. And if there was one verse that sums up everything that we've talked about in this series, it's Romans eight twenty-eight, and it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, Paul, who writes this, is saying a lot in just one sentence. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually break this into two parts. So let's read the first half again. Romans eight 28, first half says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. And when reading this, it's really easy to get stuck on the word causes Right, so let me explain this. The Greek word that Paul uses is a word uh, synergeo, which is synergy. Right? We, we know that word. We've heard that word bef- before. So what Paul is saying is that God can work with everything that happens in our lives and create good from it. And think about it like this. God will. God can. God wants to cause everything in your life to work together for good. And this doesn't say that God causes some things. It doesn't say that God causes most things or parts of things. It says everything. It means your divorce, your addiction, the miscarriages, the abuse, the job loss, the pain. No matter what you have been through, God can create something good out of it. And just to be clear, this isn't everything happens for a reason. We did a series in 2021 called Bad Lip Reading the Bible, and that was actually one of the topics that we talked about. The phrase, everything happens for a reason, is bad lip reading of Romans 8.28. And really, it's just bad theology. Everything happens for a reason is the phrase that we like to say instead of, I don't know why you're going through that right now, but I'm really sorry. We're uncomfortable saying that because there's no resolution. So we say, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason is the phrase that we like to say because saying, hey, I know what you're going through really sucks, but God can fix it. God can turn this into something good if you lean in and trust him. But we'd rather say everything happens for a reason because we're not sure that God can turn that thing into good in our own lives or the lives of others. We say everything happens for a reason ultimately because we don't believe in redemption. And so here's the first takeaway. Here's the first thing I want you to write down today. God can redeem your story. God can redeem your story. Redemption means to buy back It's the idea of getting something free, usually, or setting something free, usually at a cost. And redemption, what it does is it brings new value and new purpose to something, and God can do that with your story, God can redeem what you've gone through. God can bring purpose to your pain. God can bring purpose to your heartache. God can bring purpose to your past. God can bring purpose to your life. Jim Bergen writes in his book, No More Dragons, God says he can use everything bright or dark to create something good in our lives. This includes our good circumstances as well as our troubled, broken circumstances. This includes the part of our lives that we screwed up with our bad decisions and habits. This includes the parts of our lives that were screwed up by someone else. This means the worst moment of your life that you have been through and that you are experiencing right now, God can turn that into something good. God can redeem your story. But here's the thing, there is a catch. And I know going to church, whenever there's a catch, that's super cliche because of course there's a catch. But let's go back to read Romans eight twenty eight, all of it together again. Paul says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God can redeem your story. God can cause everything to work together for good. But here's the catch. Only God can redeem your story. Only God can do that. Paul makes it very clear that this promise of redemption is not for everyone, that this is a promise for people who choose to follow God. Ephesians 1.7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Romans 3.24 says this, And all are justified freely by his grace— through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Only God can redeem your story. We were bought back when Jesus willingly went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. You cannot redeem your own story. Some of you have been trying to do that for a long time. Some of you try to do it, and you know that you can't. You cannot redeem your own story. I cannot redeem your story for you. Your spouse cannot redeem your story for you. And some of you need to stop putting the pressure on them to do that. They are not your savior. Your parents cannot and probably will never even recognize redemption is necessary. They cannot redeem your story for you. Only God can. And so what this means and what Paul is saying is that redemption is a choice. We can choose redemption because putting your faith in Jesus is a choice. And so God can redeem your story, but only God can redeem your story if you let him. I don't know uh, if you've taken the time during this series to read the wall yet, to head over to the Powell and read the stories that are written up there. Uh, But I strongly want to encourage you to do that. Uh, If you read them a few weeks ago, jump back to the wall, read them again today. And we're actually going to leave them up this week and next to give you the opportunity to do so. But as you read these stories, one thing that you're going to notice is that these stories are all stories of redemption through God. Every single one of them. And I don't have time to read them all. We actually typed them up this week, and it was 21 pages. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> We'd be here for about two hours if I read them all. Um, but I was able to take them and kind of break them down. So, so when you do that, when you, when you go and read those stories, here, here's some of what you'll read. In September of 2017, I married the love of my life. One month later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I got pregnant when I wasn't ready to be. I was lost and confused and did not choose life for my baby. I was a drug user for 39 years, and in 2016, I had a motor, motorcycle accident where I died 23 times. This one came from one of our students. I have OCD, and every night and morning, my prayer to God is this really, really sucks, and I want to get over it so badly. Please help me overcome it. When I was 15, I was abused by someone I looked up to and trusted and it changed my world forever. I had so much anger, and I didn't know what to do with it. I searched for identity, love, security, and approval in friends, grades, sports, partying, men, and more. Uh, This was another one from a student. For as long as I can remember, my parents have been fighting my mom started to see other people, and some nights my dad would leave and not come back for days. I wondered if it was my fault. I fell into deep depression with suicidal thoughts at age 10, and this continued through high school. I've moved 34 times in 32 years all my life. I've longed for home. I was abandoned as an infant. I became sexually active and hid it from ninth grade to 11th when I thought I was pregnant, when I told my parents they wouldn't look at me or speak to me. I have an extreme fear that if I share too much of my real, messy, ugly self, that people will leave me. I've weathered terrible, frightening storms of mental illness, loss, self-loathing, and bad decisions. A few years after getting married, I went from being the happiest to the saddest I've ever been. I began looking for joy in all the wrong places and was unfaithful. I remember crying so desperately for help. I was truly lost. I was a drug dealer, drug abuser, gang member, and cheater. I've spent most of my life in prison and was proud of it. I was one of the bad people that your parents warned you about. I have scars in memory of the memories of the times I chose to put my worth in the wrong person, friend group, ideology, alcohol, and drugs. As a very young girl, I was, a se- I was sexually abused by my grandfather, and for many years I lived in shame and hurt. I was lost and tried to find self-worth through toxic relationships and partying with people who I thought were my friends. Struggling through infertility led my wife and I to drift away from the church and into poor decisions. I was verbally, emotionally, and, phys- and physically abused by my father. I drank to suppress my feelings and trauma and to self-medicate my mental health issues. I was able to stop drinking while I was pregnant with my son, but shortly after he was born, I started drinking again. I was kicked out of my house by my husband because I couldn't stay sober. This was the lowest moment of my life. When I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused by my step uncle when he was 16 years old. I didn't tell anyone until I was in college. For years and years, I've battled a pornography and sex addiction. I've never been faithful in any relationship. I tried to bury, lie, and manipulate in order to keep an image, but my addiction led me me into multiple affairs. Eventually, it all came crashing down. I lost my job, separated from my wife, leaving her and my one-year-old son at home. Our lives were rocked after 26 days when our son passed away. For months, I allowed my grief to send me into deep depression fueled by anger that God would let our son die. When I went off to college, I started having panic attacks and a serious fight with depression. I eventually felt suicidal. My husband had an affair for years with my sister, who'd been my closest friend. My entire world crumbled. My then-husband chose to walk away and do his own thing. Everybody take a deep breath, right? That's hard. Now, here's the thing. These are real stories. These are real people sharing real things with you. Real pain, real struggles. And if their story ended there, how depressing would this be? If that was the end of this, if that was the end of their story, what would be the point? What's the point in all the things that we go through? If that is the end of our stories, that would be heartbreaking. We would feel hopeless. But that's what it feels like to live a life without Jesus. Because our story stops right there. There's no healing, there's no restoration, and there's no redemption. But because of God, there's a second half, right? And that's part one. But for every single person who wrote their story down, there's a part two. So let's keep reading. I turned to God. I got baptized and gave my life to him and was set free. A few weeks ago, I celebrated my five-year cancer survivor anniversary, and I could not have made it this far without Jesus standing in the fire with me. I turned back to God and started to experience healing and restoration. It changed me and gave me hope. God didn't let me die that day, and I thank God on a daily basis for giving me another chance at life. God took away the shackles I'd been in for so long, and I know I have nothing to fear because he is with me every step of the way. I found my true identity, real love, true security, and authentic acceptance in Jesus. He saved me. Because of Jesus, I am heard, seen, and loved. But I knew God was here, and I was going to be okay. My life, heart, and love are all in God's hands. God kept pursuing me, and I found a way out of my depression and found a life that's still hard, but full of hope and joy through God. Over the years in all the many places, I've learned that Jesus is my home. God is good, and he offers us a place to belong. Looking back, I can see all the different ways God worked in my life. I'm so grateful for the life I've been given. As I reflect on my past, I'm reminded of God's love for me. I've opened my heart to God. Through faith and hope, I have let myself love again with a new relationship. Everything in my life, he's changed for the better and continues to amaze me. I feel ready for any future storms that life throws at me because I know God will be waiting with a life vest. I know Jesus is always by my side. He's picked me up before, and I know he'll do it again. Although my story is not over yet, I know I can always count on God. Even in the darkest days, moments, and years, I knew he was with me and that I belonged to him. I can see how God worked to make a way, how he carried me through the dark times and how his promises to redeem have been true. And now because of Jesus, I know that I am loved. I am a husband, a father. I am honest and trustworthy. I'm a business owner. When I look back, I see that God has always been there for me and I see him working on me every day. I learned of the love of God. I took some time, but I finally felt that I could let go of my past. I was able to forgive my grandfather and not hold on to any ill feeling toward him. Unconditional love is real and freeing. Leaned into Jesus. I learned to let go of shame, of the need to perform, of the need to please, of the need to control outcomes. It's been wonderful, beautiful, hard, and challenging all at the same time. I'll keep leaning into Jesus, his grace, his redemption, and what he has in store. Now that I have Jesus in the center of my life, I've seen great things he has done for me and my family and what he's continuing to do in our lives. It gives me hope and strength to get through the hard times knowing he is always by my side and that I'm always loved. I was finally able to get sober. I found my faith and was finally able to address my mental health issues. I'm now sober and back at home with my husband and son. My life has completely changed and now I enjoy living. For anyone struggling, there's always hope. God will get you through like he did for me. God has changed my life for the better. He's always faithful, even when we aren't. God is so good. God has helped me overcome the trauma so I can be a better father to my own kids in spite of my own mental health struggles. Once I was able to focus on my own faith and relationship with God, he started to take over. I'm now four years sober and back with my wife. We've had two more children by his grace. Our marriage is stronger than ever. God saved my life and my marriage. All I could do was look for Jesus to help. God gave me the community I needed to find healing. It is by God's goodness, healing, and redemption that we were able to find restoration in our marriage. I still struggle, but I know where to turn to find peace. God's peace has changed my life. His word is grounding me. I cannot imagine what my life would be like without God. His love endures forever. Clinging to Jesus through it all, even in the midst of the temptation to allow anger to overcome my heart, changed everything. He took my ashes and made something beautiful. He helped me rebuild them. Things are still hard at times, but Jesus remains. And the last one, this one's my favorite, simply... God saved my life. God can redeem your story, but only God can redeem your story. Only God can do that. Only God can take that first half and turn it into what we just read. The world can't do that. We can't do that. Only God can do that. And here's why we know that this is possible. Because if Jesus can redeem death, If Jesus can take the grave and Jesus can take dead and gone and Jesus can take final and conquer it. If he can turn death into life and death into joy and death into resurrection, of course he can turn the dead things in our lives into something good, This is not about us and what we can do. Some of you have been fighting that for a long time. You need to hear that right now. This is not about us and what we can do. It's about Jesus and what he has already done. And you are not too broken, too sinful, too doubtful, too scarred, too insecure, too screwed up to have your story redeemed. You aren't. This is what Jesus does. Jesus takes dead things and he brings them life. He's done that in my life. He's done that in many of yours' lives. And if you are someone who's skeptical, he can do it in yours as well. And I I know that every time we talk about things like this, about redemption and life change and growth and healing, there are people who come to this church who are thinking that's good for them but God cannot do that with my story and my life. That's good for them, but God can't do that with my divorce. God can't do that with my addiction, with the abuse I experienced, with my mental illness. And to that I would say, you don't have to take my word for it. You don't even technically have to take Paul's word for it. Take the people who have shared stories in this series. Take my mom's from four weeks ago. Take her word for it. Take Mike and Melissa's. Take Ashley's, take Josh and Jenny's, take those who took the time to share their stories on that wall, that they are proof of what God can do in our lives. This isn't fake stuff. We're not making this up. This is reality that people are experiencing right now. God can take the beat down and broken things in our lives and turn them into something beautiful and something new. If you are not a follower of Jesus, my question to you is, don't you want that? Isn't that why you're here today? Right, why you showed up at this church, because you're trying to figure out, can God do something with the pain that I'm feeling? Can God do something with the brokenness that I'm experiencing? Right, God can redeem your story, but only God can redeem your story. But you have to let him. You have to make the choice to let him into your life. And if that is something that you are searching for or ready for, please don't leave today without having a conversation with us. Please don't leave today without checking a box on your connection card for baptism or talking next steps or coming to find me in the lobby. Do not leave hoping for redemption somewhere else outside of what God brings because redemption starts with us putting our faith in him and the way that we celebrate that is through baptism. Baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of ourselves, the death and burial of our old lives and our old stories and being resurrected into something new. Baptism is redemption. That's why we celebrate it. Now, here's the thing. I could pray right here, and we could call it a morning. And I think some of you would be okay with that. You're like, emotionally, this is a lot. Um, But there's one more thing. And so here's the final takeaway for this entire series, for everything that we've talked about, everything that we've heard and wrestled with over the past few weeks. Here it is. Share your story. You need to share your story, because when you do, you partner with God and what he's doing in someone else's life, and it pulls them closer. And when you choose not to share your story and what God has done or is doing in your life or how you're seeking God out in your story, what you do is you actually rob others the opportunity to experience the same redemption that you have experienced. When we choose not to share our stories, that is what happens. And so here's what we're going to do. We are so committed to giving you the opportunity to do this. Uh, and we knew that many of you weren't ready to write stories for a while, and we get that. And so instead of this being the end of this idea, and then we just move on to the next series, and we talk about bad families, and then we celebrate Christmas, and then it's 2023, uh, <laughs> right? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a podcast. And this is insane, and we're still not sure how it's all going to get done, but we're going to do it. And for the next year, I'm going to sit down with people who are willing to share their stories And I'm gonna help them share what God has done and is doing in their lives. The first episode will drop November 3rd. It'll be on our regular Collective Church podcast channel. It'll it'll be Thursdays every week for a year. Uh, We're actually gonna start with my mom's full story. We got about 12 minutes of it a few weeks ago. Um, There's a whole extended cut that that we wanna share. And this whole experience is gonna be real and honest and vulnerable. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to create space for God to use our stories to bring people closer to him. And so if you are interested in in that or want to have at least a conversation about that, about sharing your story, we want you to sign up today. We're gonna give you some instructions. Open up the Church Center app, click on coming up, click sign up, um, share a little bit with me, and we'll be following up in the next few weeks as we kind of get this thing going uh, because we wanna give you space to share your story. We don't want this to be a a six-week fad that we move on from, but something that we really lean into over the next year. We have no idea what's gonna happen through this podcast, but what we do know is that God can use our stories to bring people closer to him. God can take our stories as broken and messy and dysfunctional and disorganized and destructive as they are, and when we put our faith in him, when we trust him, when we let his scripture and his words work on our soul, God can take our terrible, messy, broken stories to bring redemption to our lives and redemption to others, which doesn't make any sense, but God can do that. And that's why the imagery for this series has been a key. God can use our peaks and valleys to unlock things in our lives and the lives of other people. I said this a few weeks ago, without the cuts in a key, a key is just a piece of metal. It is because the highs and lows that our life can be used to move people closer to him, Because when we are real and vulnerable and honest about our brokenness and what God is doing in our lives, people will begin to see that there might be something to this God thing. And people will begin to trust that what you are doing on Sunday mornings isn't just showing up to pat yourself on the back, but you're here because you're seeking renewal. And people will begin to realize that they are going through the same exact storms as you, but you have more hope and you have more peace And you have more purpose, and you have more confidence, and you have more grace. And they'll think, I don't know what's different, but I want that. And then you will get to talk to them about who Jesus is and what he can do in our lives. Share your story. I'm going to finish with this. Last week, in Josh and Jenny's story, Jenny mentioned that when their marriage hit rock bottom, one of the first people that she called was a friend who was going through something very similar and she didn't call the person who has had the perfect marriage forever. Side note, not a thing. Perfect marriages don't exist. And she didn't call a person who had never suffered loss before, and she didn't call the person who always pretended to be the perfect little Christian with no storms and no pain and no brokenness in their lives. She called Maggie Wells because Maggie and Chris were in just a few months ahead in fighting for their marriage. She called Maggie Wells because she knew that Maggie had suffered loss when their son Sammy had passed away at 26 days old. She called the person who had been where she was standing. And Maggie didn't pick up the phone and say, it's okay, everything happens for a reason. Maggie said, God can heal this. God can fix this. God can redeem this and turn it into somehow a healthier marriage, a healthier family, a healthier self, and a better understanding of who God is. But it's going to be hard. And if you and Josh are willing to do the hard work, things could get better. And so here we are a few years later, and Josh and Jenny are sharing their story, knowing that there are people in this church who are going through the exact same thing. And I warned every single person who shared their story the last few weeks that this is a possibility, that they're going to get a phone call, they'll get a text, they'll get an email, they'll get someone that they don't even know coming up to them, embracing them and saying, I'm going through this right now, and I don't know what else to do. In fact, before Josh and Jenny shared their story, someone reached out and said, I'm in this part, and I don't know what to do. And she said, well, come check out my story on Sunday. And they didn't respond with everything happens for a reason and a pat on the back and a push out the door. They responded by saying, God can heal this. God can fix this. God can make this new, but it's going to be hard. And the thing is, those aren't empty words. Josh and Jenny's story proves that this is true. Chris and Maggie's story proves that this can be true, that redemption is real and it is possible. And this is just a coincidence, by the way. The people that are leading us in worship today are Chris and Maggie Wells. They shared their story three years ago, and their story was full of pain, and infidelity, and loss. And they said, God's doing something, and we don't know where it's gonna end up. And here we are three years later, and someone's telling a story saying, Chris and Maggie spoke into our lives, and they're the ones who are leading us in worship right now, saying, God is so good. Tell me that happens without Jesus. Tell me that happens without God. Right? Tell me that happens without church community that's healthy. right? Only God can redeem. And all of this starts with us taking that next step and choosing to share our stories of what God has done and is doing in our lives. Because when we do that, other people experience belonging. Other people experience community. Other people experience hope. Other people experience grace. Other people experience healing. Other people experience the goodness of God. Other people realize that God is very real, that he is very good, and he can redeem the broken things in our lives. But not only that, God is so good, he can actually use our stories to help other people experience redemption as well. And don't we want that? Don't we want other people to experience that in our lives? Isn't that what we want for our families and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, for them to take the broken and beat down things in their life and for God to do something good with it? Now, I'm not saying that we should want bad things to happen. That's dumb, right? We should not want bad things to happen. The reality is bad things happen. And so what I'm saying is when those things happen, isn't it good that we have a God that can redeem those things and then turn them into something new? Healing for ourselves and healing for others. Grace for ourselves and grace for others. Hope for ourselves and hope for others. Redemption for ourselves and redemption for others. God can do that but only God can do that. Let's pray. God, as we, um, as we wrestle with this reality that life is hard, and really as we acknowledge it, right, we, we know it, but as we say it out loud that it is hard and I have pain and I have brokenness, I have scars, I've messed up, people have messed me up, God, as we acknowledge those things, um, we know how devastating it is just to simply acknowledge them and have no future. But you give us one. And God, we are so thankful that our story doesn't end in part A, but there can be a part B where there's healing and there's hope and there's restoration and things are made new again. God, it doesn't mean that, that pain goes away. It doesn't mean that things are easy. It just means that you can redeem those things. And God, ultimately, that's what we want God, we want redemption. We want something new, and we know that you can give it to us. So God, um, I just pray that that, that's what we begin to experience, this renewal and this redemption of self through you. God, I I pray that as we share our stories, it isn't just this hard thing happened to me. It's this hard thing happened to me, and God was here the whole time because that changes everything. And So God, as, as we take this step, as we choose this vulnerability, God, help us share our stories and bring people closer to you. God, I just pray for everybody here um, who would say they're unsure, unsure about you, unsure about faith, unsure if you're real. God, I pray today is a day uh, where they choose to lean in God, where they decide they want to have a second half of their story. God, they don't want it to just end on the pain. They want it to end with redemption that only you give. God, thank you so much for sending your son for us that you saw as so valuable and so worthy to buy us back, even though we know we don't deserve it. God, we thank you and love you and pray this in your name. Amen.